Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. If you're just about to set foot into the garden for the first time, or maybe you're looking to expand your gardening horizons and you're wondering where to begin, here's a tip. Start small with container gardening. Today, we talk with Pam Farley. She's the writer and photographer behind the highly successful gardening website, brownthumbmama.com. And she's the author of the new book, The First Time Gardener, Container Food Gardening. Even experienced gardeners will pick up a few handy tips on dealing with all the various kinds of containers that you can use to grow edibles and flowers. You're going to find out that not all drill bits are created equal. You'll find out the best tools and implements to use to add drain holes in wood, ceramic, and terracotta pots. Different pots have different shapes. They're square pots, round ones, rectangular, cylindrical, vase-shaped. Each of those will look better in certain parts of the yard. Pam Farley will direct you to the right place for those pots. And to keep those pots draining, Pam Farley has some tips and tricks for keeping the water flowing. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. Let's go. There's a new book out, The First Time Gardener, Container Food Gardening. All the know-how you need to grow vegetables, fruits, herbs, and other edible plants in pots. It's written by Pam Farley, although the title page of her book says Pamela Farley, but I have a funny feeling she's only called Pamela when her mother might be mad at her or other people in her life. I thought so, yeah. Pam Farley has been gardening and writing, usually not at the same time since she was in grade school. Those interests collided in 2009 when she started the website brownthumbmama.com. Oh, now it rings a bell with you. She's been documenting her home and garden tips. Now, millions of readers from around the world visit her site to learn about vegetable gardening, easy recipes, and making a non-toxic home. And when she's not gardening or writing, she might be out camping or reading or otherwise avoiding housework, just like she's doing right now, talking to us about container food gardening. Pam, this is exciting, a book. Thank you. It certainly is. And it's a, a book that is very necessary in the 21st century what was smaller yards and new gardeners. You combine the two, and what do you get? A lot of container gardeners. Absolutely. It's the easiest way to get started. If you know what you're doing, and it it doesn't take much, and your book is a good guideline to get started with container gardening, because there are sure a lot of myths about container gardening, and we may get into some of that uh, later on. And certainly in your book, you cover just about every type of food you can grow in containers. How about some just some general guidelines about growing in containers? What do you look for in a container? There are some important things to keep in mind. And if you're on the Internet at all, you'll see a lot of suggestions that are probably not safe for growing food. The important things that you want to think about when you're picking out a container Your container can be a soup can or an old wheelbarrow or a fancy pot that you've bought at your local garden center. But you want it to be 
big enough for the mature plant. So you're not going to plant a lemon tree in a soup can, for example. You want it to be food safe. Now, this means that I don't recommend that you plant potatoes in a stack of old tires, for example, because there's just too darn many chemicals in those tires. And third, you want to make sure your container has good drainage because if your seeds or your plants are in a pot that's full of water and the water can't drain out, then everything's just going to rot and you're not going to have any vegetables. I think for the beginner gardener who is starting off in container gardening, it, it might be easiest to start with greens because they grow quickly. They don't take up much space. They're, they're very malleable as far as uh, being successful. They don't require too much sun or too much shade. But like anything in a pot, it requires drainage. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of chard will produce and produce and produce. <laughs> you better really like chard. <laughs> well, chard, to me, chard is one of my favorite greens because in our hot climate here in USDA Zone 9, it's one of the few that will successfully grow in the shade in the summertime. And you can have year-round greens in your salad from the garden. That's right. And I actually have several chard plants in the front and the backyard right now. So I agree. I like one piece of advice you give there in, in choosing containers where you say, if you wouldn't eat out of it, don't grow in it. So kids, don't eat out of paint cans. Exactly. Just because it's on Pinterest doesn't mean it's a good idea, folks. Yes. All right. Well, that brings up a, a good point, though, and that is uh, you can, if, you, if you're creative, you can use a lot of uh, receptacles around the house for your containers as long as they have drain holes. Absolutely. I have started seeds in a rotisserie chicken container from the store, or when we first got married and didn't have two nickels to rub together, I grew herbs literally in soup cans on the windowsill. I just pounded some holes in the bottom with some nails, you know, used a nail to punch holes in the bottom. Egg cartons, any kind of old colanders, things that you are going to donate or toss, lots of ways that you can repurpose them and use them for your garden. I would think if there is one general rule of thumb when it comes to choosing a container, it's uh, I would rather have a deep container than a wide container. That's very true. There are some times when you, if you think about the shape of the food, you could get away with planting radishes in a shallow container, but of course, carrots are not going to work. I have not found an occasion yet where a container was too big. But you can have a container be too small. That doesn't mean the plant's going to die right off the bat. It just won't get as big as it could have, and it may not last as long, may not live as long as it would have, because it doesn't have enough room to grow and get nutrients from the soil. One of the problems of growing a small plant in a large container, though, sometimes can be there's just way too much water in that container for that itty-bitty plant. And so it better be um, an easy-draining soil for it to uh, succeed. That's true, and another good point, because you don't want to scoop up garden soil and plop it in a container for, well, for most of us, I should say. Most of us, our garden soil is pretty heavy. Um, in this part of the state, it's got a lot of clay, doesn't drain well. Better to, to mix up or purchase specific container gardening soil that's a little lighter and is, and drains better. The one lesson I've learned after all these years of potting soil is, like you say, it really doesn't matter. You can choose your favorite potting mix or the least expensive potting mix. 
just be sure it is moist before mm. you plant in it. It is very difficult to moisten dry, commercially bought potting soil because one component that's probably in it is peat moss, and peat moss is very difficult to get wet unless you pre-moisten it. And one thing I like to do Absolutely. is if, if I'm using a bag of seed starting mix, which I really enjoy doing, especially this time of year, is I will dump it into a bucket, no drain holes in the bucket. Fill the bucket full of water with the seed mix in it. Walk away, do something else, come back either later that day or the next day and transfer that potting soil or that seed starting mix into pots with drainage and let them drain a while and then grab a handful of it and throw it into whatever I'm going to plant. Perfect. One thing you point out in your book uh, that I would like to emphasize is a lot of people are in the habit of having a large container, and maybe it's one of those uh, large, lightweight containers that look like they're terracotta, but they're not terracotta. They're really foam, and they're really mm -hmm. light and easy to move. So maybe they don't want to put it full of potting soil, and they'll throw uh, styrofoam peanuts or pot chards in the bottom of it just to maybe save some money. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, and not the least of which is you've just created a serious drainage problem. So this is one of those things that's all over the Internet, and holy smokes, everybody thinks this is the best thing since peanut butter, and I'm going to put some empty two-liter bottles or some packing peanuts in the bottom of the container, and this is a common garden myth that has absolutely been busted. And there are some important reasons why you do not want to do this. For starters, your plant will not have enough soil to get enough nutrients. The the roots might reach down and then if the roots touch, you know, two liter bottles and packing peanuts, they're going to be like, well, I don't know. Okay, I give up. It's going to change the balance of your pot. So it'll be a lot easier to tip over if um, there's wind or things like that. And the most important part, this is the science part, the soil has a specific density and the filler material below does not. Well, the water doesn't want to travel between the two, those two porosities. The water is going to try and stay in the soil, which leaves the soil waterlogged, which is what you were trying to prevent, which is detrimental to your plants. You are concerned about having a heavy pot, a heavy immovable pot. They have little plant skateboards called plant caddies <laughs> that you can set it on before you fill it with soil and jupe it all around wherever you'd like. Here's a lesson I learned the hard way on that. I was doing a demonstration for some old garden show on the HGTV network years and years ago, and I was demonstrating how to plant in a wine barrel, in a half barrel, and oh, yeah. drilling the holes and filling it. And they brought along one of those uh, plant caddy casters with it. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and go, well, it's kind of small, but we can give it a shot. And I set the barrel on top of the casters, and it's going to demonstrate how easy it is to roll. And this is with soil and a plant in it. And mm -hmm. I think I moved it about six inches when the whole thing just collapsed. Oh. So the lesson I learned is if you're going to put a barrel on casters, get yourself something really heavy duty like a furniture dolly to put it on. Yes, I, I've got at my local garden center, I got a plant dolly or plant casters that were made specifically for wine barrels and cost as much as the wine barrel. It's the right diameter and it's got like six or seven legs spread out. So it's very sturdy. Well, that's nice. They have wheels like a shopping cart. Yeah, it, it's like, you know, it's a caster thing with a, you know, a, did it have a support caster in the middle? I don't remember, but it did have one on each end. It was very sturdy and very expensive. 
And if you do plant in containers, that's another benefit of planting in containers. If you have, uh, let's say, a citrus tree in there and there's a frost expected, you can roll it closer to the house to get a little bit more heat at night. And that is probably easier than covering it and uncovering it or trying to figure out if your Christmas lights can keep it warm enough or those kinds of things. So tell us about the containers that you use in your food garden. I have just about every different kind. One of my favorite containers that I have quite a bit of in the front yard are smart pots, which are sturdy fabric pots with handles. And I have them lined up next to the driveway where they get the best sun. I've got some chard and some broccoli in those right now. I've got a few shallow terracotta containers that the, I think the folks next door gave me when they moved away. And I've got green onions in those at all different stages of growth. I have harvested green onion seeds for, for ages. So every few weeks I fill up another container and sprinkle some green onion seeds in there. So I'm, I'm always prepared. So of course, half, half wine barrels. Let's see. I have an, an orange tree in one. I've got uh, a couple with blueberries. And I do have some of the traditional resin, you know, the, the pretty decorative containers, mostly smart pots, though. I would say by, by number, they win hands down. And they last for years. And yes, smart pots is a sponsor of this podcast. But like I tell you every week in the commercial, I use it. I purchase them. I would purchase them again. They last for years, uh, and they don't create root problems either. They uh, air prune because of all the microscopic holes in them. And I just did a, a test uh, comparing smart pots to a ceramic pot and a um, fiber pot growing roses. Mm. And I grew roses in them, a rose plant in each of them for a year, and then mercilessly killed those roses off <laughs> oh. just a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to see the roots of the plant to see what oh. they looked like. Mm -hmm. And the root system of the smart pot grown rose bush had four times the weight. And that's just the root part of it compared wow. to the fiber pot. So it, it encourages roots. You don't get any circling roots and they don't find their way out and anchor themselves in the ground either. So I was, and I was impressed with the size of the roses too that were grown in the smart pots versus the fiber pots as well. Awesome. Yes. I used smart pots for years and yeah, wouldn't have mentioned them specifically except that I'm real, real happy with them. Yeah. And like I said, they last for years or people who have been using them for 20 years or so. Cool. Yep. Well, that'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you saved things. years from now. Yeah, yes. I'm still using the original ones I used uh, eight years ago, so there, there, there's that. You've heard me talk about the benefits of Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric container. Smart Pots are sold around the world and are proudly made 100% right here in the USA. Smart Pots is the oldest and still the best of all the fabric plant containers that you might find. Many of the imitators are selling cheaply made fabric pots that fall apart quickly. Not Smart Pots. There are satisfied Smart Pot owners who have been using the same Smart Pots for over a decade, actually approaching 20 years. When you choose Smart Pot fabric containers, you know you'll be having a superior growing experience with the best product on the market. And your plants will appreciate Smart Pots too. Because of the 1 million microscopic holes in Smart Pots, your soil will have better drainage and the roots will be healthier. 
They won't be going round and round on the outside of the soil ball like you see in so many plastic pots. The air pruning qualities of smart pots creates more branching of the roots, filling more of the usable soil in the smart pot. Smart pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you or to buy online, visit smartpots.com/fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part. On that page are details about how, for a limited time, you can get 10% off your Smart Pot order by using the coupon code FRED. Use it at checkout from the Smart Pot store. Visit smartpots.com slash FRED for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers. And don't forget that special Farmer FRED 10% discount. Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. We're talking with Pam Farley. She's the author of the brand new book, The First Time Gardener, Container Food Gardening. And she has more tips for planting in containers for both your backyard and your front yard. Getting back to the subject of drainage and using pots, one of the big problems with using pots is... Because of their weight, and you set that pot on the soil, there's a good chance it might clog those holes, that soil. Or if there's uh, concrete below it, there's a a chance that uh, those holes could just become clogged, period. And you have some ideas on that as far as using maybe pot feet or pot toes. Absolutely. So there are a few different reasons that the drain holes can get clogged. Of course, there can be roots or the soil just gets compacted or, you know, there might be some buggos down there clogging up the holes. And there are a few different ways to handle it. Um, there are fancy little lift gizmos called pot toes or pot feet that you can use that raise the container up off the ground just a little bit. Half an inch is all you really need. Or you can use the very fancy piece of brick, uh, which is a highly scientific method, or a little scraps of wood, things like that. If you raise up the pot and you find that the water is still not draining right, then the soil could be compacted. Probably want to gently tip the container over, then use a chopstick or an old pencil and poke the drain holes a little bit from the bottom up to break up the soil and get things to drain better. Let's talk a little bit about container aesthetics. Now, I have no sense of design, but I know most people do. Where would you use cylindrical containers or square containers or rectangular containers in the garden for it to look nice? So I confess that I am also, well, I am a vegetable gardener and not a landscape designer on purpose because my key criteria is, will the food grow in this container? Yes. Okay, good. So I actually had to consult with some friends who know what they're doing in that regard. And there are some things that that can help you arrange your vegetable garden so that it looks the best. Obviously, there are a bajillion different sizes and shapes of containers, like I keep talking about the soup cans on my windowsill, and there are beautiful decorative containers at the garden center, and there are five-gallon buckets from the bakery, so there's there's all different shapes and sizes. 
there are some things that you can consider for aesthetics and placement so that your garden looks as aesthetically pleasing as possible, especially if you're doing container food gardening in the front yard and you might be concerned about what the folks across the street or the neighbors walking their dog might have to say. So if you have a cylindrical containers, so like the half barrels, the pretty decorative urns or containers from the garden center, those look great in the corner of the yard, or maybe if you don't have a tree in the center of your yard, you can use one very large striking container as a focal point. If you have several wine barrels, you can use them as a border or a more, that's more rustic, a more rustic look. So square containers, which sometimes if you're upcycling different things or if you're, you're building your own wood boxes, because they're square, they have to be placed more precisely. They can be, depending on the material they're made out of, they're more modern looking, more sleek. Some styles of houses, it would look discordant to have a craftsman-style house with a metal watering trough planter, or you know, sometimes it's just in- incongruous. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned metal watering troughs because it is one of my favorite containers to use for growing blueberries. Since blueberries require an acidic soil mix, it's uh, easy to do it in a cattle watering trough that you may have purchased at a farm supply store as long as you put drain holes in it. But I've been seeing a lot of people using those containers as all their containers in the front yard. And if they're unpainted, if they're that bright silver, it's kind of garish looking. What's nice is those metal watering troughs usually can be painted with tractor paint because it sticks better to metal. And there's like three or four good colors when it comes to tractor paint. Uh, you've got, you know, Ford Blue, uh, John Green, John Deere Green. You've got uh, Ford, Blue. Ford Blue, International Harvester, Red, uh, Kubota Orange, things like that. And it just adds it adds some nice bright colors to those uh, rather stark looking watering troughs. Exactly. I haven't seen around town, but I have seen online folks that, you know, we ripped out our entire front yard and put in these industrial cattle troughs. And then, oh, golly, I guess I'm not quite that brave yet, but <laughs> but it, it can be done. Oh, yeah, it can be done. One thing we should talk about when it comes to containers is the fact that maybe the darker colored ones might just be absorbing too much heat on a hot summer day. That the- is definitely a possibility, especially especially here in Zone 9, where we're cooking with gas all summer. Yes, indeed. What can a mother do? What can a gardener do for uh, lowering the temperature on a hot summer day? A black plastic pot. I, I hope that you have moved beyond black plastic pots. But if you if that's all you have, I understand. But there are some mitigations uh, to uh, bring the temperature down in those containers in the summertime. I would say, yes, if if all you have are black plastic containers, perhaps you can put them inside a larger decorative container and use a cash pot is the is the term for the fancy outside container, uh, which disguises a more plain inside container. And that would certainly bring the temperature down. If you're trying to bring down the temperature of 
a black plastic pot in the summertime and not cook the plant that's in there because it can reach 140 degrees in as little as a half hour if the, the sun is hitting that black plastic pot on a hot summer afternoon. Putting it inside a larger pot is a great idea. Even better is to put it in that larger pot and then fill that gap, that air gap, with like mulch, wood mulch there to give it some even some more insulation from the heat. Now, there are some people who will wrap the outside of the containers with a reflective substance like aluminum foil. And and that will work. That will keep the temperature down in the pots. But then again, your neighbors may think that you're uh, signaling the UFOs where to land. Exactly. That could be a problem. <laughs> in your book, the first time Gardener series container food gardening, you have some great pictures. Lots of great pictures, as a matter of fact. But you have some a good set of pictures that delineate exactly how to drill holes in the bottom of a wood barrel. And you can refer to that uh, if you want to figure out how to do it. I always get confused, though, about when somebody gives me a pot that doesn't have drain holes. All right, I'm going to have to put a drain hole or two in this. How do I do it? Which drill bit do I use? I know my way around power tools a little bit, but I I tell you, it pained Hubby greatly to be taking the pictures while I was drilling (laughs) these holes because he was like, oh, 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 you know. Oh, what about, oh, hey, oh, you know, but there are different kinds of drill bits that you need to use and different techniques. Wood is pretty easy. You just use a standard drill bit. But if you're drilling like terracotta, you need a masonry bit. My best suggestion if you're doing glazed ceramic is only buy them if they already have drainage because they are very expensive. And if you drill through with your expensive diamond-tipped drill bit and then you break the pot, you are going to be mad, mad, mad. And, of course, if you're doing the big metal trough, like I've seen, then you need a metal bit and you have to go really slowly because it's going to heat up. It's tricky, but it can be done. Yes, and wear eye protection. Absolutely. That is, yes, it needs to be said every time. My wood boring drill bits are my best friend. They hang, they have the centerpiece of my uh, pegboard in the garage. And they range from uh, about a quarter inch diameter up to one and a half inches. And for uh, barrels, I like three quarters. You talk about, I think, half inch, and that's fine if you do enough of them. And the nice thing with wood barrels is you're not going to break the wood barrel. Exactly. Yes. The weather may not be perfect for outdoor gardening right now, but it's perfect for planning your 2023 garden. Now's the time to plan the what and the where of what you want to plant for the future. And to help you along, it pays to visit your favorite independently owned nursery on a regular basis throughout the fall and winter just to see what's new. And coming soon to that nursery near you is Dave Wilson Nursery's excellent lineup of farmer's market favorites. Great tasting, healthy fruit and nut varieties. They'll already be potted up and ready to be planted. And we're also talking about a great selection of antioxidant-rich fruits, such as blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, goji berries, grapes, kiwi, mulberries, gooseberries, figs, and pomegranates. Wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery has probably the best lineup of great tasting fruit and nut trees of any grower in the United States. Find out more at their website, DaveWilson.com. 
And while you're there, check out all the videos they have on how to plant and grow all their delicious varieties of fruit and nut trees. Plus, at DaveWilson.com, you can find the nursery nearest you that carries Dave Wilson's plants. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Any first-time gardener is going to have issues. That's okay. You're gardening. It's fun. And for a lot of people, the first garden is their favorite garden, no matter what happens. But you may have issues. And in Pam Farley's book, The First Time Gardener Series, Container Food Gardening, she has a troubleshooting guide. And Pam, uh, your plant problems section tackles problems with the plants and not only a lack of production, but also stems and leaves and what they look like, the, the leaves. Exactly. So one of the things that was really important to me in writing this book was that I wrote it for the beginningest beginner. There are so many people have come to me and said, oh, you know, I think this is a silly question, but there's no such thing as a silly question. There's no question that's too basic, which is why in the book I talk about how do I plant a seed? I show pictures, step-by-step pictures. How do I plant a seedling or a transplant from the nursery? Not everybody knows that, and there's nothing wrong with not knowing it. If you've never done it before, how could you expect to know? Exactly. I was talking with a friend who's an expert seamstress, and I needed her to replace a zipper. And she said, oh, well, that's easy. You know, that's not a problem at all. You don't know how to replace zippers? And I said, oh, good heavens, no, all I can do is hem things. And then we were talking about gardening the next time we got together. And and I said, well, you know, just put it in your compost bin. And she said, "I, I don't know how to make compost. And I thought, well, that's the as easy as pie. How can you? But if Touché. you don't know, you don't know, and that's okay. Yeah. I still don't know how to replace zippers either, but that's all right. That's why God made Velcro. That's why we have friends that know yes. how to do these things, yeah, right? Exactly. It's all together. It wouldn't um, be the same if everybody knew everything. Right? The, yeah. Yes. And that would be boring. In your experience with first-time gardeners, what are their usual panicked questions? A lot of the time... They So I have seen, again, online and with friends, the first time a corner of a leaf changes color. Oh, no, the corner of this leaf, it's it's yellow. And what am I, and is my plant dying? No, you're actually, your plant has like 500 million leaves, and it's going to be okay. But I've included some pictures of leaves and sick plants and sick leaves. So you could say, oh, you know, my zucchini plant, it looks like there's flower or white powder on the leaves of my zucchini plant. What's that? And you can look in the troubleshooting section and it says, oh, white powder on leaves. Well, that could probably be powdery mildew or another fungal infection. Here are some things you can do. Or, well, the there's squiggly lines on the leaves of my pepper plant. Well, you, you can look up squiggly lines. That is probably a leaf miner, which is just a bug that likes to go through and, and munch through the leaf and makes little squiggly lines. Not the end of the world. Not going to kill your plant unless it gets carried away. That's something that's different with this book is you don't have to know what the problem is before you look in the troubleshooting section. You you don't have to look at this and say, well, maybe that sunscald or maybe it blossom end rot, or maybe it, you don't have to know those things. You can just look and say, 
there's this white spot on my bell pepper, and you can look it up that way. What I like, too, about uh, your solutions is you start with the least toxic alternatives, an integrated pest management approach. Always. Always, always, always. And uh, your garden hose could be your best friend when it comes to controlling insects like aphids. Definitely. Just spray mm-hmm. them off. Yeah, I always start with the least toxic alternative. And a lot of people, too, when it comes to garden problems like a yellowing leaf or some sort of spots on fruit, for example, they may say, oh, the plant needs water. Not necessarily. Always check, always check the container for its own moisture. Get yourself a moisture meter or stick your finger down there and see what the moisture is like eight inches down where the roots tend to be. And one of the things that surprised me when I was researching is blossom end rot is something that comes up in the summertime enough um, where the base of your tomatoes gets black or leathery. And I learned that sometimes, not always, sometimes it can be caused by fertilizer that has too much ammonia, interferes with the way that the plant takes up the water in the soil. And so if you can use a natural fertilizer like like kelp or fish emulsion, it's going to be easier on the plant and you'll run less risk of ODing on chemicals. In the world of horticulture, when discussing blossom end rot, we usually like to say it's an abiotic disorder. And what that means is it's probably your fault because of (laughs) it's too much water, not enough water, too sandy of a soil, wrong pH of the soil, too much fertilizer. Uh, There's a lot of reasons uh, that it could be funny. Yeah. And I can tell you don't own a nursery because you haven't tried to sell anything yet to solve these problems. That's true. I just take the offending tomatoes and chuck them in the compost bin and think, doggone it. Those are the salad tomatoes. You cut off the bad portion and eat the rest. You can very much do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that you uh, put in there not to add Epsom salts, eggshells, antacid tablets, or anything like that in your container garden. It's not going to fix blossom end rot. I would like to have just printed that on the cover in 50-point font, but they they frown on that kind of thing. (laughs) There are some garden myths that I just can't stand, and that's one of them. We have done entire episodes on this podcast about Blossom End Rod. You can look it up and listen for yourself and uh, realize that, oh, I'll just live with it. Yes, it is not the end of the world, and golly, around here, the tomatoes grow so well that if you if you lose one or two, you're going to be okay. That's right, and congratulations. You put in a picture, a good, a really good picture, too, of a teenage ladybug, which looks totally different than the mature adult ladybug. Most people know that ladybugs are good guys and gals. You want them in your garden to be eating the pests like aphids, but that teenage ladybug, I always like to say it looks like a, somebody in a San Francisco Giants warm-up jacket. It's black yes, and orange. like a, a dragon or a dinosaur. Yeah, yes. They're super cool looking, but if you don't know what they are, you might think, oh my gosh, a bug. Yeah. And squish it. Identify all pests before you take action. Wise decision. Especially in their younger stages because they can look totally different. And it's usually just like in real life, it's the teenage ladybugs that eat the most aphids. <laughs> the teenagers, yes. I can I can confirm this with the teenagers in my house. Yeah. <laughs> the teenagers eat more than everything. That's right. So another thing that is really helpful for new gardeners is you might be, you might look at your, at the vegetable drawer in your fridge and say, oh, well, you know, I know we go through, we go through a lot of cucumbers, green beans and lettuce. Oh, shoot. Now I have to try and figure out what kind of containers to get and how big and 
what if they go together and what if they don't? And so the book has like a quick planting guide for vegetables, fruits, and herbs. So you can think about what your family uses and you can look at the, at this cheat sheet and say, Oh, well, you know, green beans, we need a three gallon or larger and, and they're going to need full sun. So, okay. I know that I don't want to plant them with chard because chard's going to want a little bit of shade. And I definitely wouldn't want to plant them with something that needs full shade. So you can look at the chart, figure out what kind of containers you need. So you're ready when you go, when you go shopping and you know when to plant everything, what size container it needs, whether you want to plant it from a seed or a seedling or a transplant. Some plants, they don't grow as well when they're planted as a transplant or a seedling. Garden Center will sell them to you, but they might not survive. And then you'll feel bad and it's not your fault. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Yeah, the quick gardening guide is excellent in your book because you go on a plant-by-plant basis describing the container size that's needed, when to plant, whether you can plant from seed or whether you need to grow from a transplant, how much sun it needs, how much water it needs, fertilizer if it needs it, and also how long it'll be until harvest. And that's always important. Very important. Yes. And it's worth pointing out that this is a book for beginning gardeners. So things that I at least find more challenging to grow, like broccoli and jicama, are not going to be in this beginner guide, but I do talk about them on my website. You do cover fruit trees as well. I do, because I have eight at last count in my city garden. Congratulations. How tall do you keep your fruit trees? Are they in containers? Some of the citrus trees are. The apricot is out front. I just got a couple of apples and some of the citrus are in the ground and some are in containers and they all top out at about eight feet. Good for you. Pretty trimmed. All right. That's called backyard orchard culture where you keep the trees no taller than what you can reach because any fruit that's out of your reach is for the birds. Yes. And you even have instructions on how to grow an avocado tree. You're an evil, evil person for suggesting that. I know it can be done because Carrie Stokes has one. (laughs) Yes, she does. Oh, avocados. Where do I begin? I tell you what, folks, if you live in Santa Barbara, if you live in Oxnard, if you live in San Diego, go ahead, grow your avocado trees. For anybody else in California, find the warmest spot possible that doesn't get a lot of wind, a lot of reflected heat, and you too can grow an avocado tree in USDA Zone 9 and 10. But there are times when uh, you just can't do it, and it really depends on the layout of your home and your yard. And uh, can you grow avocados indoors? Go ahead and try. Who am I to stop you? Well, we do talk about microclimates in the chapter about sun and locations. I would argue that you need a very specific microclimate to grow avocados in Zone 9. Or you buy the home that's for sale next to Oprah in Santa Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do have a special thank you gift for everybody who has ordered the book from after hearing about it on your show. And if they go to brownthumbmama.com slash shop, they can enter in their proof of purchase and get a free bonus chapter that's not printed in the book about making compost. Ooh, okay. So if you buy the book, you go to brownthumbmama.com, which is Pam Farley's website, very successful website, I might add. Go to brownthumbmama.com slash shop and find yourself a way to get a free unpublished chapter. 
Absolutely. Okay. Just need your email address and, and your order number from whatever, whatever place you ordered it from. And then, zoop, it will come to your email. Available wherever you get your books. Oh, by the way, is it a Kindle book as well? Yes. There you go. You can read it in real life. You can eat it. For, eat it. You can read it. <laughs> you can read it in real life. You can and, and touch it and feel it, or you can stare at it on a screen. It's the first time Gardener series container food gardening by Pamela Farley. F A R L E Y. You want more information? I bet you can find more information about the book at brownthumbmama.com. Absolutely. Pam Farley, it's been a treat talking to you. I'm tickled to be here, Farmer Fred. Thank you so much. It's that time of year when many of you are opening up those new seed packets and rummaging through drawers looking for those packets of seeds left over from, well, well, who knows when, really. You might recall that when you started sweet or hot pepper seeds in years past, it seems to take forever, up to three weeks, to get them to germinate. In the new Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter, we kickstart those pepper seeds to germinate more quickly. And we have tips on how to tell if those old seeds you just found will germinate at all. It's in today's Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. For current newsletter subscribers, look for the issue with those pepper seed germination tips. If you're already a subscriber, it's probably in your email waiting for you right now. Or you can start a free subscription or read it online. It's free. Find the link to the newsletter in today's show notes or sign up at the newsletter link at our homepage, gardenbasics.net. Thinking about which vegetables and flowers to grow now? March is an interesting time in the garden for vegetables and flower growers. Many of our thoughts are about summer veggies, but there are plenty of cool season crops that can grow and mature between now and Memorial Day and beyond if the weather cooperates. From the archives, give a listen to episode 168 and 169 of the Garden Basics podcast. It's called Award-Winning Vegetable Varieties to Try. In episode 168, Sacramento County Master Gardener Gail Pothauer has suggestions. And in episode 169, you're going to find more award-winning plants with Diane Blazek of the All-America Selections. She lists the flowers and vegetables that are recent national award winners for the home garden, as well as talking about those tomato varieties that get rave reviews year after year. Popular tomatoes such as Juliet, Celebrity, and Big Beef. Dive into the Garden Basic Archives. It's episodes 168 and 169, award-winning vegetable and flower varieties. It's from last year. You can find a link in today's show notes or go to our homepage, gardenbasics.net. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast comes out once a week on Fridays. Plus, the newsletter podcast that comes with the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter continues, and that will also be released on Fridays. Both are free, and they're brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. The Garden Basics podcast is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes our homepage, gardenbasics.net. And that's where you can also sign up for the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter and podcast. That's Garden Basics. Basics.net, or you can use the links in today's show notes. And thank you so much for listening.